Good evening, everybody. Um, let me click the button here. Um, good evening, everybody. Uh, this is uh, uh, the FPV Town Hall. Uh, we got Dan and and Dave, and then my name's Josh. And I uh, uh, got a few news articles uh, this evening, but we're going to spend most of our time probably on the advisory circular. And um, this is something that uh we spent uh, a significant portion of time responding to when uh it was first uh when when responses were first requested um and uh it seems like with the advisory circular we might as well get it away get it out of the way uh, uh in the beginning uh it seems like the advisory circular they they at least what we wrote and i'm not sure what other people wrote uh to the faa in response to it but uh did not uh um, take a lot of what we said to heart. Um, and uh, a lot of the rules that uh, are not rules, but recommendations that the FAA is pushing through these advisory circulars uh, on uh, CBOs and FRIAs are uh, uh, a little bit uh, basically regulating through advisory circulars. So and See, this before was... we get way into that, can we refresh people's memory of where we are? So a while ago, right, the FAA published their sort of a pre-plan for what they were going to do for CBOs and FAA F and FRIAs. Is that well, right? I mean, and we we, yeah. we wrote a response to that. I forget when was that. Oh goodness, <laughs> that was was it this year? Was it way back in the spring no. of this year? No, I think it was last last year. year? I say twenty-one, yeah. yeah. Let's see. And way back then, we had some concerns, uh, specifically that the FAA seemed to be increasing the amount of regulations for recreational pilots without making any rule about it, but just saying, "Oh, if you want to be a CBO, if you want to be a community-based organization." We think you should have some safety guidelines that say this, this, and this, and this, and they're strongly recommended. Yeah, now the, so, and the, yeah, gui here's, and the guidelines okay. are recommended, and the way they introduce it is, by law, an operator must comply with a set of guidelines. Mm -hmm. And so I agree with everything that Josh and Dan have said. So it's, oh, I, we, we think there's uh, overreach. Uh, here we think there's um, uh, the uh, uh, Greg at Pilot Institute put it well. They're pushing to make recreational a mini Part 107, and uh, they're also overreaching from the perspective of the number of the uh, guidelines have to do with ground operations, which the FAA has no authority around. Other than that, it's awesome. <laughs> so, what do you mean uh... by ground operations? Uh, there's pre-flight and post-flight, which is uh, all about what to do on the ground. As well as maintenance of the aircraft. I mean, it's it's uh, a little bit ridiculous. So I'm sure you guys our... all write down every time you change your props, right? Absolutely. Date, oh, time, I send, why? I send in a yeah. maintenance <laughs> log, and uh, if one breaks, I, uh, I fill out an incident report. For it. Not. <laughs> um, so what I posted is our initial response to uh, the... Um, to the advisory circular and this was back in august uh sorry comments were due august 9th of last year okay um so uh and you can see that uh we we were pretty strong st kind of strongly worded against a, a lot of this stuff and so 
there's a lot of interesting things like uh let me dig in here so <clears throat> uh let's see prohibition in careless or reckless behavior um like promoting like promoting safe behavior 100% i mean that that's a given but um i mean there's zero incident i mean zero uh deaths attributed to model aircraft and especially with electric motors um so i mean there's no risk analysis that would promulgate you know this kind of uh thing so um and then there uh dave you'll have to help me out the five behaviors which are required training for part 107 um uh, that they're they're looking for uh and kind of making it the mini part 107 as you were saying yes it is um Oh dear. Aggressive behavior, um, impulsive behavior. Uh, and I'm going to fail on the on the other three. I mean, and here's the thing though, is who's who's the who's the end all be all that determines what uh impulsive or aggressive is, right? So I mean, is I mean a uh FPV race can be pretty aggressive. And so I mean throwing that out there i i tend to fly fairly aggressively when i fly freestyle and oh. so i mean it's not and like impulsive like oh ooh, look at that cool let's go look at that like right exactly so it's just a little bit i found, I found them okay let's let's hear them anti-authority and which is don't tell me impulsivity which is do something quickly invulnerability it won't happen to me Macho, I can do it. Resignation, what's the use? Mm. And those are the so. This was uh, this is used in uh, crewed or manned aircraft training in uh, by the FAA. They picked it up for the um, Part One Hundred Seven, and this was absolutely uh, one of the. Uh, this was one of the test or multiple test questions uh, on the test, and part of the uh, the studying. And. Um, Unfortunately, there are a number of elements, uh, just as uh, as we said, from Greg from Pilot Institute, where there's a lift. From, you can even see the references in the advisory circular, part 107 dot, 107 dot. It's mm -hmm. like, come on, you got to be kidding. So yeah, this is recreational, <clears throat> folks, right? So, um, so pre-flight safety, I mean, 100%, we understand that pre-flight, you know, making sure that... Uh, your equipment's functional and and whatnot but uh you know i mean here's the thing is that through this process of of wanting to basically applying to be a cbo they are strongly suggesting that you include a massive amount of safety guidelines which are not written into regulation um like recreational flyers flying at night we're allowed to fly at night we're not required to have lights on our aircraft to fly at night but as a CBO of a recreational, a, a recreational CBO, I'm supposed to tell our members that we're that they're required to put wrongly light. recommended that you want a light that just by the way right. has visibility from three, statute, three miles, statute miles, which right. just happens to be identical part to part 107. 107. Yeah, it, it's literally regulating via advisory circular. So um in, in stuff that isn't in the regulations and this is things that we talked about in our initial our initial reply to this so it's it seems like we 
they they put out the advisory circular asked for feedback took no feedback whatsoever and put out the advisory circular waited a year well, no over a year to publish the advisory circular just before we're supposed to get another reauthorization when they were supposed to have this done 180 days uh from the last reauthorization so well there was to be fair to the faa there was more work involved than just the advisory circular there was a little mm -hmm. bit of website database work to accept the applications right which but... shouldn't take a year but no i mean give, right. give a i mean give a give a strong uh you know website designer uh you know a few days and they'd have it knocked out so it's just it's a hot mess so and so of course i'm sure josh you were getting to it that uh, we have uh submitted uh an application to become a uh, community-based organization mm -hmm. and uh, our safety guidelines have been up for what, since 2019 and they're a, a pdf on our website and that's what we uh, used in our submission and uh, we'll see what the uh, the response is and the faa has 90 days to uh, to respond and um, unlike early waivers with Part 107, they did say that uh, they will tell us uh, where the rejection is uh, if our application is rejected. I wonder That's... if, I assume we're allowed to make that public. Whatever we get back from the FAA, they won't tell us, oh, keep this quiet. <laughs> it That's would be nice to let people point. know, here's what the FAA is telling us we have to change before we can become I... a CBO. I think that's, yeah, I think, yeah, we should work that because uh, all the safety guidelines should be public because you do not have to be a member of the organization in order, in order to point to a set of safety guidelines. So, for example, yep. we, we will promote FPV operators to use FPVFC uh, safety guidelines. Yeah, that's a question. This is what we're using. A question I see people ask all the time. It's like, oh, they're forcing you to become a member of a CBO, and that's not the case. You don't have to be a FPV Freedom Coalition member. You don't have to be an AMA member. You're right. just supposed to know what the rules of a CBO are, probably have them printed out or on your cell phone or something with you. So if anybody on the off chance does ask you, what are the guidelines you're following? You can point to them. And I assume you could change that, like, oh, this flight I'm flying by these rules, and this flight I'm going to fly by these rules, and all of that should right. be totally fine. I mean, here's yeah, the thing, and... though, is our, our safety guidelines are common sense, right? And they are, uh, you know, simple to follow. They're, they're, they're not, you know, overreaching. They're, they're um, not complicated. It's literally, you know, and check they, your stuff. And they, and... And, they regula and they regularly reference and put into English 44809, the mm -hmm. Part 107 exception for recreational yeah, operation. Yeah, we had to make sure we put in all of the rules that were actually required to be there. Right. right. And but, to I say, mean... While we could FOIA uh, the information, uh, we have had um, limited uh, success with uh, FOIAs with the FAA. Uh, they are... Um, uh, challenging, shall we say, to get him get information through a FOIA. The government is expert at not giving the information that you're asking for, right? <laughs> right. Right. Or redacted, resubmit, right? resubmit, so, resubmit, 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 resubmit. Yeah. Not available. Wrong department. You didn't ask correctly. That person yeah. retired. You know, we waited you out. Ha ha ha. Right. <laughs> 
I mean, and, and, and here's the thing though, is, you know, there's, there's some people who say that, that working in the way that we choose to work doesn't yield results. I, I would, you know, namely I, I'm speaking to XJet and I, I can understand the sentiment, but at the same time, I feel like the, the changes that we've been able to implement and the influence that we've been able to acquire have gone a long way towards uh, things like shielded operations being discussed, um, some positive changes within remote ID, um, and some being able you, to... I guess facility grids being um, yeah, uh, quartered and from, and... Where, from where they are, so they're much finer, so um, more places to fly. So yeah, there's, we, there's, a, definitely there's made a whole a, lot of made change. That's, yeah, and so, you know, I mean... Uh, the combative approach is not the approach we choose to take. It's the, you know, while we can remain critical of what the FAA does, uh, it's at the same time being able to work within that system has yielded results. And so we're we're proud of that. And uh, we will continue to do that. But there are times where being critical of the FAA is required. And again, this is potentially one of those areas. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm sure there are several organizations out there who are applying to be CBOs, and the results of those will uh, kind of see where the where the FAA is is headed in terms of their thought pattern. So yeah, it's going um, it's going to be interesting from a perspective of the CBO safety guidelines. Uh, the FAA suggested that the safety guidelines are specific to the CBO. So we will submit one that's around FPV. Got it. Mm -hmm. For the AMA, that's going to be challenging. The AMA covers everything from park flyers that are above 250 grams up to very large uh, aircraft under 55 pounds at uh, large events. Well, even over as 55, well as, but that's a different set of that's roles, a way, but... Yeah, that's a different set. And then turbine and high altitude, you know, those are all uh, above and beyond. But what's interesting is if if I just, um, if I'm only uh, setting up for, uh, as an operator, a 44809 operator to use the AMA guidelines, that could be restrictive because it has to cover helicopters and fixed wing and EV dolls and small to large and gonna, should be interesting. I'm, I'm hopeful that common sense will prevail and we can keep it simple and keep it common sense. We'll see how, how this rolls out. Well, it seems very likely that there will be so many added rules <laughs> to the safety guidelines that no one's going to follow them anyway. Right. Yeah. To you. I mean, we've definitely I mean, preached that to the FAA that people are just not going to follow these rules. I mean, unreasonable thing, regulation results in widespread non-compliance. And there's a thing for just using the KISS approach. Keep it simple, right? And I mean, the simpler the rules are to understand and the more common sense that they are, the easier it's going to be for people to adhere to them. The, I mean, the, the amount of rules that the FAA is trying to promulgate through this advisory circular <laughs> See you, Dave. is, <laughs> is, is yeah. uh, a little obscene, and nobody's going to remember them all. And if they can't remember them, they're not going to follow them. So it's, it's a difficult approach. And so uh, I'm definitely not in favor of the way they're choosing to approach this. I wasn't from the beginning when we submitted our results or our, our our remarks, I would say, but 
yeah i mean uh, am i am i am you're I back you're here you're back you. <laughs> you vanished you know. and came back like 20 seconds later Oh, was a oh, oh, I was going to say, is that a second Dave joining? Yeah, come on. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> one thing I did want to add is one of the last comments in the uh, advisory circular related to um, uh, user reporting and voluntary yeah. reporting. And yeah. there was a suggestion that the CBO could come up with voluntary reporting of incidents. And so I, um, I can talk about this in the level of detail that Pete Dumont presented at the last ACK. Pete Dumont, longtime uh, industry executive, uh, is also the co-chair of the drone safety team. We're a member. FPVFC is a member. And uh, we're wrapping up an ad hoc committee on what can we do with the UAS ASRS, the Aviation Safety Reporting System. And one of the things that Pete said that we're, we are recommending is a dramatic reduction from the four pages of questions to something a lot more sensible. And so that uh, will be, if we're asked, well, you know, we didn't include anything in here about uh, incident reporting in our safety guidelines. Certainly we will point to the UASASRS uh, system, which is in place operational, and we hope to make it uh, closer, a lot closer to frictionless and have a lot more common sense associated with it and associated for best practices as opposed to, ooh, my prop broke. Well, right. I mean, unless our community really wants us to put together some sort of an incident reporting page for the FPV community, I'm sure everybody yeah. would love to do that. I mean, it's yeah, funny sure too because- Alex is after that, I know, <laughs> for racing. So you want I mean, to know how many times your competitors crash while they're practicing. That's what you're trying to get after. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing is, is right on the link that I sent you to our website from our response was uh, CBO should not need to report any kind of safety event to the UAS safety team. That data should be submitted by the recreational flyer at their discretion to the uh, NASA um, UAS safety reporting system where the user and their data can be appropriately anonymized. I thought the this all sounded familiar. Team, the <laughs> yeah. UAS safety yeah. team can use the system to identify trends that may need attention and communicate that to the recreational community as a whole. <laughs> oh, I, I know where we went wrong. We put, we put UAS safety team, that doesn't exist. Uh, well, that's right. I mean, that's that, now that's... the drone safety team. <laughs> Well, I mean, here's the deal. They changed is, the I mean, name would, to protect the innocent. All right. That would require the FAA to actually do some research data well, collection. That's what it would be like it. if we did a FOIA request, though, right? Like, well, there is no UAST. I don't know what, what you're yeah. looking for. What? Yeah. What? what do you mean? What? Yeah, it's it's goofy. I mean, this whole thing. I mean, literally, you could go word for word on what we responded to and it's just a carbon copy of what they applied and they waited a year over a year to, right. to drop it, it makes and we sense. should we should mention that there is a sister advisory uh, circular for frias the uh, faa recognized identification area now got that memorized <laughs> and that's 89-3 uh, mm -hmm. um so you know from a uh, flyer or pilot's perspective you know who cares about these two uh it's it's you we should care uh, as individual um, uh, FPV operators from the perspective of we have to use a set of uh, safety guidelines. What are those safety guidelines will, will be significant. And then 
paying attention to Freya's will be important in terms of where can I fly legally um, uh, and uh, without a remote ID, either a broadcast module or a, a standard remote ID UAS. Let's see. Sorry, I'm reading a comment. So two commercial zero. This guy is just so full of like sky. <laughs> yeah, it is, and it's it's really interesting. It's, I mean, the 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 sky is is not as full as everybody wants to make believe that it is, and it's uh, there's uh, a fact of science that I regularly quoted when we were, were kind of first starting this is. Uh, you know, in, in several billion years, the Andromeda galaxy and the Milky Way are going to collide. And in that collision, zero planets and zero stars will hit each other. And that's the way our sky functions as well. There's just so much of it that, you know, two, two aircraft that are not attempting to hit each other, whether they're drones, airplanes, or whatever, that are not trying to directly interdict each other will not hit each other. And this is further evidenced by when we went to flight test and or flight fest, I'm sorry. And you have 50 to 100 pilots putting airplanes up in the air with the explicit purpose of hitting each other. And for significant periods of time, nobody could. No one hit anyone else. This. Yeah. It's and these insane. were skilled. These were skilled pilots. It was great. It was great yeah. fun. So it's, it was it's, not re it was not reckless. It was done no. safely. Perfect. And uh, no one was underneath the aircraft, and but, uh, so it was done well. But, I mean, that's the thing, is that there's just so much space up there that, I mean, we're... we're I think a lot of people in, in, in government freak out over a lot of nothing. Now, there are people who would be potentially bad actors that could do things with these... Uh, machines that we we love and we use that could cause problems could cause chaos but i mean the fact remains that this is still the safest form of aviation there will always be bad actors in any segment of the population and you know freaking out or crying wolf over every little thing is silly right yeah there were some as you pointed out josh there were a couple of items in the safety guidelines that made a lot of sense like mm -hmm. uh airspace restrictions and prohibitions. So paying attention to a TFR, good common sense. Or what airspace you plan on flying in. Yeah, it's and what what rule would, you know, would exclude that? None. All right, so. Anywho, um, questions, comments, anything beyond what we, have we missed anything? So I'm, I'm guessing uh, some people are wondering about the process for creating a Freya. And we don't know much yet because for us to request a FRIA, first we have to be recognized as a CBO. Yeah. So we have to be recognized as a CBO, then we'll be able to go to the FAA's website and fill in the data for a FRIA. Um, but because we're not a CBO yet, that isn't really unlocked. Um, you can pretend to be an educational institution and start the process of- uh, But you can't go through it all. Well, I think you probably could, but you'd have to, yeah. you'd have to lie. <laughs> well, depends if you're going that. through their school or not. If you get approval from your school to apply for one, then you well, probably right. done that, Alex. Right, the school needs to be a CBO first. Yes. Uh, no, the school, no, the school doesn't, doesn't need help. to be a CBO. No. If it's higher education, oh, they any... don't. Which yeah. was a little bit of a surprise I mean, in the the advisory circular that like high schools yeah. are not considered 
educational institutions in this case, it has to be a higher ed. So colleges, universities, so, and things like that. That was that was one of our comments. I remember that one distinctly. We said, wait a second, trade schools, high, high schools, elementary. How about or how about K through twelve STEM in general, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, we don't do that anymore. It's fine. <laughs> I'll uh, toss in a couple screenshots here of what I could see from the the FRIA process. If people are are curious, what they're asking for. This is just peeking. So did I did not submit, submit this. this, but I just looked at it pretending to be a, a university. Uh, I don't think colleges have to have their own set of safety guidelines for XJet's comment there. It's just that they it has to be an education institution. Because yeah. since they don't have to be a CBO, they don't have to have their own safety guidelines. Would you have to... Let's see, how does that exactly Follow the work? FAAs? <laughs> yeah. Well, technically, no. to fly recreationally, you still, I mean, it's still in the regulations that you have to follow a CBO's safety guidelines. Well, I could fly under 107 out of FRIA without remote ID. But is... I'm saying I said recreational. Yes. <laughs> but uh, so I would imagine if you're flying recreational at a, I mean, at, as a college student or on a college campus where, you know, they have a FRIA, you would still have to follow the safety guidelines of a CBO. Now, if you're flying commercial, you'd have to follow part 107 guidelines, which are a little more stringent, but give you some additional capabilities. So, um, yeah, either way, you'd still, I mean, you'd have to follow one set of rules or another set of rules. So, all so right. I, I assume as soon as we become a CBO, um, you know, assuming that's going to happen soon, <laughs> Look, uh, within 90 days, right? They're supposed to get back days. to us. Uh, so right. every 90 days, they'll tell us, "Oh, you did. You need to change this, and then we'll change something." And 90 days later, we'll get another request. Anyway, yes, uh, I assume we will hopefully immediately start the process of trying to apply for Frias. Um, I think all of all four of us have a location in mind. Um, and I have I'm several. I'm sure lots of lots of other people here have other locations in mind. So be curious to see how that ends up going. Is that going yeah, to be we'll simple? Is it going to be a lot of back and forth? Can we request Joshua Bardwell's backyard to be a Freya? Can we, uh, <laughs> if Bachrinder gets his land, can we help him make that a Freya? How, how does this all work? Yeah. Be yeah very I, interesting. I volunteered for, for Joshua Bardwell already. He and I've spoken about that. So we're in for that one. There you go. That's <laughs> awesome. All right. So, um, going through uh i'm going to go through the couple articles that i have there i mean it's uh kind of a dry news week but uh um, if you have questions on the advisory circulars while i'm going through those pop those and uh, we'll stop in between articles and we'll see if we can answer some of those but uh i do did want to, me to mention did you want me to mention the two uh act tasking groups as well oh absolutely i totally spaced that i'm sorry not a problem so um uh, as we mentioned two weeks ago, that we had we were working to uh, volunteer yet again. This will be our eleventh and twelfth uh, ACK tasking groups, and so we are accepted to both of the of the two uh, tasking groups that were um, put on put up at the last uh, meeting. One was um, tasking group fourteen, which had to do with let me get them right. Uh, BB loss and what could industry do to accelerate the uh, 
uh, rulemaking efforts of uh, Beyond Visual Line of Sight and tasking group thir or 15 has to do with what um, outreach programs do individual industries use and document them so that we can replicate them and accelerate the scale uptake or the scale of the uptake of drones across various industries. So a little arcane, but um, those are the two. We're involved. Uh, meetings uh, TG15 starts tomorrow. Do you have any like insider knowledge on these tasking groups, like the Beyond Visual Line of Sight one? Like the Beyond Visual Line of Sight arc presented their findings to the FAA. Why is the FAA coming back and making another tasking or making a tasking group? asking people to help them with with this isn't everything they need in the the arc i think this is simply um what can the industry do and so as opposed to what can the faa do to further rules what can industries do to uh, accelerate the whole process and i have a sneaking suspicion since uh, jay merkel talked about it several times it will have a lot to do with data gathering and so I have a hunch that they'll be looking for, well, do you have any records of drone flights and that they were safe operations uh, and they were you know, operations that were under waivers of uh, beyond visual line of sight? I what have a hunch that that's where they're going. Non-waiver data. <laughs> right. Without waivers, no, yeah, we've got no, lots of no, BV on no, visual no, line of sight no. data. Yeah, hey, well... Doing... Well, we could just overwhelm them, and they wouldn't pursue any of it. Try to... No, 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 we're no, we're not going. We're not getting our colleagues in trouble. And so nope. far, we know. Is it Vic or Kenji? Which one of them got Kenji? Got the Kenji and uh, yeah. Michael, 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 Leo. They have uh, waivers Captain for F flying FPV without a oh. visual observer. Is that right? Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, they do. And that would be the kind of information they're looking for. Is like their flights that were safely done yes. the, that's my hunch yes so i'm um on the uh on the bv, BV loss uh tasking group yep and we're still um we have we're following up to see if we can participate in a counter uas uh, aviation rulemaking committee we very much would like to participate so in that how did we hear about that how do we know that that's even a thing can Good we not question. say that? <laughs> no, we can because this is where, so because we've been involved in, and now it's going to be, it will be 12 uh, tasking groups. We've gotten to know a lot of people in the industry. One of the folks we've, we've met and worked with uh, closely is Charles Warner. He's one of the founders of drone responders, which is now a large not-for-profit uh, international and uh, drone responders from all public safety uh, walks of life. And so great group and uh, they are absolutely uh, involved. And uh, we heard about the counter UAS uh, arc coming together uh, through Charles. Thank you, Charles. And um, it's going through uh, clearance uh, at the Department of Transportation and it should be uh, cleared and approved uh, the middle of November and uh, 2022. So we're optimistic that uh, it would be great. It would be great if we're part of that as well. It'll be busy, but um, uh, that's a very important activity. 
Yep. So XJet says uh, the big worry with individuals getting waivers for no observer FPV flights is if they do cause injury, damage, or death, it kills our case for allowing such activities. Now, one of the, the things in the EOS is that um, only Part 107 pilots can uh, participate in the waiver process. So there's a substantial amount to lose for said pilot to do think to conduct an unsafe operation that would put people uh, or property um, in danger of being damaged or injured. So um, that that's a big part of that. So I would imagine almost every Part 107 pilot would take that into consideration when planning those those flights uh, for no observer FPV. So just a kind of thought pattern there but um yeah so uh let's see um let me share my screen here find the right screen to share all right so this uh actually comes from australia uh, while we are normally uh u.s focused um, i thought this was really cool so uh, the Australian Defense Force, uh, Air Force, and Army drone racing teams. I did not know that Australia um, Air Force and Army had uh, drone racing teams, but that's I really think I cool. did hear um, they talked about that. Gosh, um, <laughs> the, the guy from Australia who hasn't been doing much stuff lately. Uh, he had them on one of his, or talked to them on one of his shows once. Um, anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> are we talking about... Uh... Uh, FPV Chad? futures, FPV future, UAV future. Okay. Gosh, UAV I forgot. Futures. There we go. Stu, yeah, like I just yeah, haven't seen him go. online much in a long time. I forgot his name already. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Air Force and Army drone racing teams created a buzz for the kids at Queensland Children's Hospital as part of Dream Big Week. The team spent an afternoon with the hospital's de dedicated TV channel, Juice TV. They filmed an episode about drones, skills in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, and the fun and excitement of flying drones. Um, the episode was hosted by 11-year-old Marlon Mott, who put the drone racers to the test. Uh, the teams navigated their tiny whoop drones through tiny, uh, a tricky obstacle course around the kids' zone play center, much to the delight of the children watching on. Uh, flight... Flight, Flight Lieutenant Jake Del O'Sullivan said the experience was rewarding and humbling. It was an incredible opportunity to spend an afternoon with the kids who were so interested and fascinated with drones and drone flying. Uh, as it is such an adaptive sport, even if they are unable to get outside, the kids can still build, code, and practice their flying skills on the simulator. Um, and drone, uh, the drone racing teams are regularly involved in youth and community engagement, bringing the thrill and excitement of fast emerging sports to audiences. That's really cool. Great. Um, yeah, that's super awesome. So let's see. let's see. Let's see. Trying to find it underneath. Okay. Um, all right. So a while back, um, we talked about Ag Eagles EB uh, being the most popular fixed wing uh, UAS um, that has been registered uh, with the FAA. Uh, I think it was about 40% of uh, commercially registered uh, fixed wing uh, UAS were the EB. Um, so they have now gained the FAA's consent to fly over people without waiver. 
Um, and a huge milestone for the U.S. commercial drone industry, the Ag Eagle's Aerial System EV drone series has secured FAA certification for flying over people or moving vehicles without any additional waivers. Um, as of today, these are the first and only drones in the U.S. to comply with Category 3 of the operations of small unmanned aircraft system over people, as established by the FAA in March of 2021. This makes a lightweight EV aircraft extremely apt for complex, large-scale operations such as assessment of storm damage, telecom network coverage, mapping, and power line and pipeline inspections. Um, over 40% of all commercial fixed-wing drone registrations in the country since 2016 have been for the EV, which was first released in 2013. Let's see. Ag Eagle's partner in the path to crucial FAA certification was Virginia Tech Mid-Atlantic Aviation Partnership. FAA designated evaluation site tested the EV drones extensively to provide proof of compliance with Category 3 of the rules. I wonder how much that costs <laughs> to have them inspect and, and uh, watch all that. So, I would um, guess you end up with a drone 20... that's two years old by the time it's done. Uh, 2013? <laughs> so... Oh. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty, category three. That's a first. So mm -hmm. uh, operations over people. The only categories that existed were category one. Yep. So pretty cool. Could you could you drop that uh, article oh, in I Discord? Apologize. Yes, I apologize. Please. There we go. All right. This one was also fairly interesting and. Uh, I saw this coming. I won't. It wasn't surprising, but uh, a company up in Canada, um, RDARS, uh, I'm going to say radars. Ardars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> has successfully integrated the Starlink, Starlink satellite internet service on a security drone system. Um, there we I'm go. That's say, how we get network remote ID. We all have to fly around with a Starlink on the drone. Starlink. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that'd, be, like, that'd be light and cheap. Too much weight. <laughs> so the interesting part is how they accomplished this. So there was a Starlink, uh, and I'm going to kind of ruin the article, but basically there was a Starlink uplink uh, dish on the ground, which then transmitted that data to the drone, which then networked that data out. So... Um, they're using this as a essentially a, a way of providing internet service in places where internet service was potentially disrupted, uh, you know, natural disaster, that kind of thing. So, um, anywho, um, let's see. One of the main issues facing commercial drone operations is communications outside of urban areas where maintaining sufficient internet connectivity may be challenging. To overcome this challenge, the company has been looking at integrating satellite modems into its drone system, but according to RDARS, that's what we're calling them, the equipment is costly and can only supply limited bandwidth. Starlink, on the other hand, uses its own satellite dishes to receive high-speed internet with uh, download rates as high as 350 megabits per second. Megabits, not megabytes. Uh, RDARS seems to be adding the Starlink dish to a ground station called Eagle's Nest, which can relay data to the company's Eagle Eye drone while in flight. Through Starlink, the Eagle Nest ground station can communicate with the control center, enabling the user to operate and receive video from the drone. Um, Eagle's Nest also offers several connectivity features, including Wi-Fi, dual cellular, 
and a couple others uh, with its backup power systems. Even in a complete power outage with lack of cellular coverage, Eagle's Nest and Eagle Eye can continue to function and provide situational awareness anywhere in the Starlink global coverage area. Um, let's see. Uh, they um, say that uh, Star sorry SpaceX uh, were really helpful in helping them integrate this, but uh, didn't go into specifics on how much help they were. So. Uh, pretty interesting. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, all right. So let's see. And grab this. Elon Musk here will have a Starlink system suitable for use on sub 250. <laughs> we'll be shipping. Yeah. hundred bucks. So the New York Garter for the, uh, it's, they get almost as much snow in that area of New York as Dan gets in Minnesota. <laughs> It's known as the snow belt of New York, and they get lake effect snow from the Great Lakes. And Ooh, lake so effect snow, that's that's some serious stuff. This is like eight feet of snow a year is the norm, and it's Ooh. I'm not making that up. And so if you like if you like snow, it's a good place to go. So that's where we picked a fifty mile corridor for UAS testing for New York. Yeah. Snow is nice and great, soft when you crash. That, that's it. It's a good go. group. Uh, they've been active for a number of years, been up there myself. Uh, and so this is a, an organization, and uh, New York State is uh, uh, is putting money behind this, so positive mm -hmm. for uh, uh, for testing as well as advancing the industry. And people who yeah. are outside in the winter when it's cold like that are well padded and covered, so if they get hit by a drone, they're all safe. <laughs> they're either in their car or got really thick coats, so it's all good. Absolutely. Big hats. Well, you also got to keep in mind that uh, I'm sure that a lot of the the testing and whatnot done within this corridor is from safe, nicely heated uh, enclosure office space uh, where they're uh, testing the beyond visual line of sight. I mean, what's more important yeah. than beyond visual line of sight than staying warm or staying cool, right? That's I mean, a, yeah, somebody one of the desert. One of, <laughs> one of the aircraft they got a uh, a uh, an approval to fly. By working this Carter was a, a General Atomics uh, Predator, and I didn't know, but apparently the Predator was not allowed to fly through U.S. Uh, airspace. It's outside of a theater, so uh, um, it's now okay, and that was approved at uh, in this fifty-mile Carter. So, yep. So uh, let's see. Um... The Northeast UAS Airspace Integration Research Alliance, or New Air, uh, received approval from the FAA to operate beyond visual line of sight drone flights across the entire expanse of its 50-mile corridor in central New York, a liberty that will considerably enhance its efforts to develop a safe and reliable UAV youth space. Uh, yeah. The news was so important to New Air's work in developing activity within its drone corridor that the New York governor... Uh, made the announcement of the FAA's BV loss ruling, which simultaneously benefits the state push state's push to become a leader in drone and advanced air mobility operations and systems. Uh, in addition to the other testing capabilities the FAA decision permits, it allows New Air to operate beyond visual line of sight UAV flights between Griff's International Airport in Rome, New York, and Syracuse International Airport. Griffiths. Uh, let's see... New Air is expected to use the FAA's authorization to fully demonstrate the various ways BV lost flights will enhance the operational and economic advantage of enterprise drone activity, as well as other 
advanced air mobility craft transporting passengers and cargo um uh governor of new york also announced that the state will pre be providing new air an additional 21 million in funding under the cny rising upstate revitalization initiative to establish a top draw drawer industrial hub along the 50 mile now bb loss approved drone corridor so new so. york state is a population of 19 million people and uh there are four four to eight million depending on whether it's the uh, weekday or weekend in manhattan <laughs> and the uh, rest of the state is distributed over uh, the rest of uh, the state and so this is out in the stick. So uh, CNY, revital or CNY re revitalization is important to New Yorkers. It's central New York. And so mm, gotcha. this is out in the sticks. And uh, um, we just um, uh, had Micron, a uh, chip manufacturer, mm -hmm. uh, commit to $100 billion in an in a area that's about 20 minutes away from uh, New Air. So uh, good, good news for us in uh, New York State. And this is out in... Uh, it's God's country. It is uh, beautiful out there, and so it is uh, the opposite of uh, of Manhattan in terms of uh, density and uh, population. But it is beautiful. All right. Uh, so we say every time I hear people talking about advanced air mobility, as if it's real, I have a chuckle. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know that I'm going to be volunteering uh, to take that air taxi ride. Uh, <laughs> There must be, be some one. people I'll out there it. willing, but gosh, I sure don't hear well, many. You got people. one right there. <laughs> Alex is like, sure. Why not? I'm young. Just remember, you won't have the control. Somebody else will. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll ask them for the controls before I test it, so I, so I can take over in case it need be. I'm pretty sure yeah, the I'm person inside. I'll, I'll of become it one of the be test pilot. I'll be if, a test pilot. Um, if somebody inside the air taxi could take control then it would no longer be a drone it would suddenly become a manned aircraft that's right yeah well not control yeah these are the inputs and that's yeah it does if you're controlling well i'll just it, jump all of a sudden control it you, you, land it jump again search. control it land and has uh as Mead said I, he wouldn't ride a quad and i think that's uh, that's my view oh, as well hexacopter octocopter yeah so here's here's I'd ride him. I'd build. I'd build one and ride it. Here's the question: If you're riding in a quad, props in or props out? Um, doesn't matter. <laughs> Depends where your I'll seat go, is. I'll go props out. I'll go props out. Props out. Yeah. yeah. I would say props for that, out for sure. I'm going for that titanium. Uh, prop I think shield. rather hit in the side than hit in the front. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, that's all I've got, folks. Uh, anybody else have anything, Alex? Anything going Alex, on? What's the up what's the update from multi GP champs? Um, well, we had the championships, and uh, Min Chan took first as expected. It was great. Uh, Leviathan second, and Noiko third. Uh, Noiko made a difference from his usual fourth fourth place spot. So that was nice. Uh, but yeah. And how did you do? Uh. Sports class, I got six. So. Nice, good job. How many right, classes nice. are there? Uh, there's pro and there's sport. Okay. okay. Cool. No beginner there, class, uh, no old gray hair guy class. Old, no. Old there guy. is an IO. At IO, there's a few more. Um, we need to normalize. Type. So there's a rookie. Class. There's intermediate. There's pro. 
which is well, there's also well, Pro and World Cup, same thing. Um, there's also they also have the over forty and over fifty race. Hey, I'm looking um, for that over sixty, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> You got to get more I people hear, to sign I up. Hear, yeah, I hear there's a multi GP member who's over seventy. I want to meet him. I wouldn't. I'm pretty sure there's. Yeah, I, I think there's one at my club. Yeah, I would say there's probably a few, excellent. Few. That's excellent. Um, but yeah, it's not. Yeah, there's plenty of uh, missions to sponsor Dave or, to join multi GP and start racing. Yeah, I've got the. Uh, you got gates now. I've got gates, and I've even got uh, I got to get uh, going and build a uh, little racer. I have all the parts in in a, a very cool frame. So there you go. Yeah. All right, uh, Dan, you got anything for us? No, I don't have anything new to talk about. I think we covered most of it. Um, just want to make sure that if anybody in our Discord or on YouTube has any comments or questions about what we've talked about tonight, about the CBOs about the free applications, their concerns, any of that. Um, speak up, either use your microphone or type in the chat. Um, we, we really want to hear from the community about your thoughts on the, all of this stuff. 100%. Or email us on the website with a contact. I'm uh, I've been getting sort of a regular flow of emails. Some some good uh, some good questions. In in addition, uh, most of the questions are good. I haven't gotten a couple of silly things, but uh, it's been great. And uh, it's been a, a constant flow. So happy to see that. And if anybody wants to make predictions, are we going to become a CBO? What date will we become a CBO? <laughs> Who's going to be the first okay. CBO? Uh, what are the, what's the first free? Uh... We got to under I'll handle the it. bets. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think with that, uh, number one, if we're going to become a CBO, we're a tenacious bunch. So if it takes us a minute, we'll get there. Um, but uh, hopefully that, that happens quickly. Uh, I know uh, a couple other organizations have submitted. Um, so we'll look forward to those announcements. And uh, hopefully that comes with a little bit more uh, uh, access. We'll just leave it at that. Um, so... Anyway, uh, I think that's it, and we'll see you guys in a couple more weeks. Um, oh, where's that? Oh no, we should be good. Okay. What? Is, oh yeah, making sure we're not going <laughs> to interfere with uh, Thanksgiving or anything like that. Yeah. So sixteenth is the next uh, next uh, town hall. So I think we'll be solid for that. Um, but keep in mind, there may be some outages of our town halls coming up just due to holidays. Uh, we definitely don't want to take you away from your families, uh, during, uh, the holidays. So, um, definitely, uh, keep a lookout for that, but we'll, we'll let you guys know, uh, when uh those are going to be, if we're going to have them. So XJet brings up a good question here that he's wondering, is it time to do a membership drive and get more of the community involved into these meetings? And anything any any ideas anybody has to help try to get more people to join us in our meetings more people to get concerned about all of this stuff um, we've just run into a, an issue that people just don't find regulations interesting enough to pay attention to them uh, and... yeah and we're working on some things to shift up how we're doing uh, some of our, our our public appearances and whatnot to make it a little more entertaining we just released a YouTube video where we covered the the AAAC 
meeting and, and some of the interesting points that came out of that. Um, let us know what you thought of that, if you've seen it. Um, but we're working on some other things kind of behind the scenes to kind of change up some of the stuff that we're doing. Yeah, we actually had two videos. Uh, we also did yeah, the interview with Mark Colburn, with Mark Colburn. from the yeah. Dallas Police Department. Hopefully we'll have ideas to interview more people like that in the future. Um, having It's Blunty joined, uh, join us has increased a few people for our meetings, and he's had some really great ideas to try to help get us to communicate with the community better and get us uh, um, mention us more often in Joshua Bardwell's videos. Um, XJet, if you've got our some ideas, test, feel free to fleet, contact our us. Partnership, our flight test uh, partnership is expanding our reach dramatically. Mm -hmm. And so while uh, our membership is uh, uh, still uh, small numbers in comparison to the 1.5 million UAS operators in the United States, we're having an impact and we know that the reach is pretty big. When we look at the 120,000 views to a, a Joshua Bardwell interview that we did on Remote ID, we know people are, if it's a topic they're interested in, uh, they'll go find it, and that's uh, that's positive. And so, um, you know, we we understand and uh, taking some actions to uh, to work on uh, additional. Uh, outreach, but the our objective is to share the information first and foremost. And we also know that if we were to make a bunch of ranty videos, people would probably join us more, but we're trying not to go that direction if we can help it. And here's the flip side, guys, is is one of the big important things is coming up and people are going to want to pay attention to it. And that's the reauthorization. And that's coming up this next year. So um, we're working, we're already pre-working that. Um, and uh, there's, I, I imagine there's going to be some drops in the next six months or so in regards to that, that uh, uh, we can we can kind of use as a call to action. Now, that doesn't change the fact that uh, the stuff that's happening right now is also important. So again, you know, if you have some ideas, some thoughts, uh, feel free to reach out to us, send us a DM um, or send us an email um, and uh, give us some thoughts because we're, you know, again, we're we're trying we're a part of the community and we want the community to give us feedback i mean that's the best kind of feedback is community feedback so all right all right with that i will let you all go y'all have a great rest of your week and we'll see you in a couple weeks guys. yep see, see you in a couple Take weeks care.